Hello and welcome to the Women's Words podcast. I'm your host Gabs. I created this show with the sole purpose to give amazing ladies the opportunity to share their journeys and experiences on a whole range of different topics that I still feel are not given enough support, awareness and education. We'll be keeping it raw and unfiltered by getting down to the nitty gritty, discussing everything from women's health conditions to chronic illnesses, body positivity, mental health and much more. I hope you all enjoy. Hello and welcome to episode 10 of the Women's Words podcast. I cannot believe we're in double digits. Joining me on this week's episode is the amazing Jamie. Jamie is a Results with Lucy ambassador. She is the owner of the Badass Brownie Company, a dog mum, and she's also on a journey to becoming a solo mum. So I'm going to hand over to you, Jamie, and you can start wherever you want to. Okay. Okay. Where do we start? Right. So. I have pretty much been single for most of my adult life and um, Mm -hmm. me and my friends have always joked, oh if I get to 35 years old and I'm still single, I'm just going to get a turkey baster and Mm. see what happens. (laughs) Um, Now I'm 33 and it's something that I've started thinking about more and more, especially as all my friends have started having babies Everyone that I see nowadays has a baby, so it's literally yeah. something that's all that's on my mind. Um, mm-hmm. And then last year, so last year in January, my dad passed away. Um, and in short succession after that, my nan passed away, and then my stepdad passed away. Oh, kind of made me realise, right? Life's a bit short, isn't it? Yeah. So I started looking into it a bit more. And fortunately, well, not fortunately, but when my dad passed away, he left me quite a significant inheritance. So, Mm -hmm. whereas before, even though I would always want to become a mum, even if I wanted to do it solo, I still didn't have the money. Whereas now, I'm in that place where I have the right amount of money to actually bring up a child as well, but also in order Mm -hmm. to afford fertility treatment because it is not cheap it's really expensive isn't it so expensive because it's not it's not even just the um actual treatment it's everything that goes alongside it you wouldn't think it but sperm is very expensive (laughs) high commodity it is very high commodity so for a tiny little vial it's about a grand. Oof. Yeah, it is it is ridiculous. And then you've got even charges on top of that to be able to get it. Um, so, yeah, you, you've kind of got to be in a good financial place to be able to even think about this kind of route as well. But yeah, yes. I can imagine. So, well, so when you started this journey, was it was it difficult to find, obviously... Is it a fertility clinic you had to get in touch with? What's the process? So, I mean, I've got a fair few friends who are in same-sex couples. So they've obviously, Mm -hmm. in order to have babies, have had to go down the um, fertility clinic route as well. 
Yeah. So when I started thinking about it a bit more seriously, I started asking them, you know, what kind of process is it? Who do you get in touch with first? Um, and what I started off doing was just talking to a GP. He made the mm-hmm. referral. And then you get a call back about generally about six weeks after from the fertility clinic. Mm-hmm. Um. So I started inquiring about July last year and then finally got an appointment. Because obviously with COVID and everything, it was all quite yeah. up. So I got my first appointment around October, I believe. And mm-hmm. then after that, things do go pretty quickly. You know, you, you go in, you've got to have a load of different blood tests. Yeah. What kind of level you're at because there's different types of fertility treatment as well Mm -hmm. so you know most people who go to fertility clinics go there because they've got fertility issues so it's like they most most of them go to IVF straight away whereas I started with IUI which Mm -hmm. is intrauterine insemination so Mm -hmm. it's a lot less invasive than IVF yeah basically you can do it naturally or medicated. You've just got to wait until you ovulate and then you go mm-hmm. in and they basically shove a catheter up the moon. There's literally no nice way to sugar no, that, is there? No, there isn't. But yeah, they shove a catheter up there and then they just insert the sperm and you're done. So and romantic. I love it. Isn't it just? And you know, Did they buy you dinner after? No, they did not. The first time I had it, it was just before Christmas, and it was a really nice um, atmosphere. They had Christmas music in the background, and I was like, oh, this is nice, isn't it? And then the (laughs) second time, it was absolutely horrible. I had a different doctor, and Mm. he, oh my God, first time round, they like dim the lights and everything, so you feel like quite comfortable with it because otherwise, yeah, you know, you've got like these bright lights shoving down right on your vagina, and <laughs> with someone's face right Super in there sexy. looking at it, and you think, oh my lord, have I shaved everywhere? But honestly, <laughs> the second time the lights were really bright. This doctor literally <laughs> had had my legs right up in the air, and yeah, it was not nice at all. So it. It's definitely not a um, nice thing to go through. I mean, it's kind of like when you have any of these like gynecological things, like all dignity and self-respect goes out the window when you're like arse in the air. And I'm the same as you, though. Whenever I have anything, I always shave. Yeah. I just think it's polite. I don't know why. Like, they don't give a shit, do they? (laughs) No. They probably see hundreds of vaginas every day. But do you know what, for me, I always get that paranoid thought, like, am I going to be the talk of the staff room? Like, oh, my God, that girl had a right hairy muff that I prodded yeah. and examined earlier. Like, oh, God, you should have seen the state of that bush. I know. <laughs> when they probably do don't care. Single... No. I remember once going into hospital with suspected appendicitis, and I'm, like, a naturally a really hairy person to the point where I even get a hairy stomach. And I remember saying to my mum, just got to wax my stomach before we go 
And she's like, I think there's more important things to be looking at here. And I was like, absolutely not. I've got to make... Be right back, ma'am. Yeah, no, I was like, I've got to make sure I'm smooth. But I'm like that when I go and have like a pedicure, I'm that person who likes to scrub my feet and like really wash them before I go and have a pedicure. Absolutely. Just to be polite. Yeah. You, you, you don't want toe jam all in your, uh, in your feet, do you? Again, I don't want to be the talk like... No. In the nail shop with them all slagging me off, yeah. going, oh my God, look at her dirty feet. <laughs> Did you see that fungal <laughs> nail infection? <laughs> oh, it's crazy. So in, in terms of obviously your journey, so you've had, so is it is it classed as rounds? So you've had two rounds? Yes, or? I've had two rounds now. I paid for a three cycle thing mm-hmm. um, because it works out cheaper. However... I started, I think I had my first round unmedicated. I had my second round medicated and both obviously were negative. So they didn't mm-hmm. work. So now I'm just waiting for a call back from the doctor about next steps because even though I've paid for that third round, mm-hmm. it's kind of, for me, it feels like a bit of a waste of time. So yeah. I'm kind of looking at now, uh, should I just go straight in for IVF? Because obviously, even though people think, oh, well, you've paid for three rounds, actually, it was so much cheaper for three rounds that actually I've only paid mm. £100 for my third round. So it's not like I'm missing out on a load of money. But mm. in the long run, I could be spending more if I did it because I'd have to buy more sperm. Um, and you have to have more tests and things like that. And medication is about a grand a time as well. So it all mm. really starts adding up. Adding up, yeah. But did they um did they say do they have any kind of inclination why it didn't work? The thing with IUI is that the success rate is actually pretty low. Okay. Um if you don't have any fertility issues, they say on average it can take about three times to work. But, oh really? Which is why they offer the free cycles. But I'm part of this um, solo mum Facebook group. Mm-hmm. So I've done a, like, I've asked a lot of questions in there and done a lot of research in there. And from the looks of things, people either get pregnant on their first or second go of that. Or it mm. doesn't work at all. Yeah. And then most people... It's are... such a shame, isn't it? I know, because, you know, the money's one thing. Yeah, you get annoyed that you've spent all the money for it but actually Mm. it's also the time because you know like obviously every other couple when you're trying every month that goes by that it doesn't work you are Mm -hmm. getting more and more frustrated but with this you literally only get one shot every month so you put all of your hope in that one cycle and even though you know it might not work, you still obviously get your hopes up. Yeah. So it's a, Yeah, it is sad, isn't it? It is. It's an emotion it's an emotional roller coaster. I can imagine. But obviously you said it's it's different to IVF in in terms of being less invasive. Are the are the costs quite different as well? Yeah, so the cost is really different. Like it's a much lower cost. So Every fertility clinic that you go to, it's a different price. But where I mm. am, um, one round of IVF, I think is about, this is just for the treatment, nothing else, is about mm. 
three and a half grand. Whereas wow, yeah. Whereas a three cycle package of IUI is one thousand eight hundred. So the costs are a hell of a lot. Still a lot of money, isn't it? Yeah. And the costs are a lot lower for IUI, but then again, so is the success rate. So it is just mm. about weighing it all up. It kind of levels out, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess the next steps for you then is is potentially IVF. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm just waiting back on a call from my doctor to see what they think is probably the best way to go around. But also with the things like sperm... Again, because of the pandemic, mm. there's not actually a lot going. And mm. when you first start all of this, you have to have something that they call a CMV test, which I find really mm-hmm. bizarre because any other couple would not test for their CMV status. Basically, it's something, it's like a virus. And mm-hmm. most people, I think they say three quarters of the population have it. And if you've had it, it's absolutely fine. Most people don't know that they've had it. But if you're Mm. negative, then you have to find a donor that is also negative. Because if you Mm. were to become positive during pregnancy, there's like this 1% chance that it could cause a lot of risks. Oh, that's crazy, isn't it? So that, again, brings down the sperm donors by about a third of them. So it basically just makes that kind of filter even smaller, I guess, isn't it? Yeah. And then obviously everyone's got their own idea of what they want in a donor. Is it like in the films? Like I've obviously only only seen kind of things to do with sperm donors in movies. And you always get these American films where they really make out like you can like look on a list and like men get paid for it and all these type of things. So what what what's the truth with like sperm donors and what's kind of the myths? Debunk it for okay. us if you can. So in the UK, in the UK it's different to other countries. So if you were to get a sperm donor in the UK mm-hmm. through a sperm bank, you you get that list, but you don't you don't get any kind of pictures or anything like that. It is just mm. a description of the person. Um, and they don't get paid for it, so they only get oh, really? yeah, they only get paid their expenses, which is probably why there's not many around in the UK. Oh, um, I didn't know that. What what's their expenses like? A smutty magazine? Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Subscription to Pornhub. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and a bit of lube. <laughs> Sorry, Mum, if you listen to this. And then. The other main place in Europe is Denmark. So I think Denmark are the leading place in um, creology, which is like the whole sperm donor thing. Um, even they haven't got much stuff. Uh, but there's, mm. they've got more information. So they do like interviews with the sperm donors and you can hear their voices. You get handwritten yeah. letters and everything. You get to know like what their hobbies are. And you literally also get to know mm. a full history of their family's, like, medical history. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So, because, you, you know, you don't want to be buying a sperm donor and then knowing that they've got, like, God knows how many genetic 
issues going on. Yeah. But again, I couldn't find many in there. So my one's from America. Mm. And America, you also get like, some of them they do adult pictures, whereas a lot of them it's just child pictures. Mm-hmm. But they've also got a more variety in America because it's a lot bigger. And I guess they get paid in America as well, don't they? They get paid in America, so obviously there's more of a <laughs> more of a uh, want to actually do it there because you've got a reward. I mean, I don't blame them, but I didn't know that in England that men don't get paid for that. That's no. really weird, isn't it? I know. And now also, there's a um, there's a legislation in place where anyone who buys sperm in the UK, whether you buy it from a different country or not. They've got to be mm. open ID. So basically, if the child gets to 18 years old and they want to get in contact or find more information about their um, donor, they can. Mm. Oh. How do you feel about that? How do you feel that if you have a child, then it might come to a point where would you explain to them, like, is that something you've obviously kind of thought about? Yeah, yeah. So, and also when you do any of this, you have to have mandatory counselling. It's only one session, but it's so mm. you can go through these kind of things. Because obviously yeah. it's it's not the norm. Um, and especially when kids grow up, when they, you know, get to nursery age, especially, they're going to start mm. having chats with their other friends about their mums and dads. And I've seen this a lot on Facebook, mm. this Facebook group that I'm part of, and they say, you know, how do you broach that subject of who the dad mm. is? But a lot of them, literally from birth, just refer to it as your donor. Yeah. Which sounds really medical, but then I guess you've got to be straightforward with your child because otherwise it's just going to get confused. Yeah, that's right. I think it's I think that is very important, isn't it? Mm. Just kind of from the get go, just not having those kind of blurred lines. And it's obviously probably very confusing, like you said, for a child as they get older, because they go to nursery and they're like, well, Joe Bloggs has mum and then dad. Like, where's my dad? And I mean, like everyone is in so many different situations in terms of families and stuff now. And I think more so now, like I remember being at school and I think I was probably like one of the only kids with parents that were divorced. Pretty much everybody else was like mum, dad. Mm. Well, when I was younger, pretty much all of my friends had divorced families. So when I moved moved here and all of my friends now have families that still have their parents together and I'm like, you what now? That's a bit weird. I know, it's weird, isn't it? It's lovely. Mm. but weird like yeah very still together really what (laughs) it's very strange but it's a minefield with sperm donors as well I can imagine I can imagine also it's just like so many different things going through your head like things things that I would think about like have you ever thought about if you do get pregnant and you are on your journey to having a baby and you are pregnant or you've had the baby and then you meet somebody in and then you're obviously together like does that does that come into your mind or is that kind of something you've just put on the shelf so my thought process has been through this 
I think beforehand, I'd be on all these dating apps and mm. I think I was stressing myself out because I know I'm getting to a certain age and because I know I want kids, I was putting so mm. much pressure on anyone that, on myself, to meet the right person that actually yeah. it was never working out. So now I thought, actually, if I do this, it's taking that pressure off straight away because I'm not going to look at someone and think, oh, baby daddy. I'm just going to look at them and think, okay, yeah, you're all right. And if I yeah. meet someone, great. If I don't, I don't. But, you know, there's a few girls that I follow on Instagram who's doing this solo motherhood as well. And they've been, like, one of them, I think she's coming up to her 16th week of being pregnant. And she's been going on, like, I have to say it, socially distanced dates. Yeah, we we have to drop that in now. Like I saw my friend socially distance. Oh, it annoys the hell out of me. But yeah, so she's been going yeah. on dates, and you know she's clearly showing now. I think some people mm. you've just got to be honest with them. Like, obviously, I wouldn't. I think if I got pregnant, I'd probably just take myself off dating up dating sites because actually, it's not really what I'm going to be focusing on at that point. Yeah. But it's not something that I'd also close myself off to because obviously I want to, want to meet someone. Yeah. But this is I think that's a good way to look at it though mm. that you want to be a mum but the way you kind of the typical way of doing it isn't something that is kind of a opportunity or no. an option right now. And it is really hard though like I don't think men and I, sorry if this sounds sexist, but maybe it is a little bit. I don't think men understand the pressure women feel. I think from like the age of like 20, 25 to 35, yeah. like those 10 years are really, really crucial. Like for me, I'm 28 and I thought I would have had a baby by now. I would have been pregnant yeah. by now. And then you do put so much pressure on yourself, not even just yourself, like society, doctors, parents, yeah. family members friends like as soon as me yeah. and Alan got married everyone's like when are you having a baby and like we have made it so like clear that we want a baby so desperately but it, mm. you do feel this immense pressure and people are like oh you know you're still young you can have babies for ages but <sighs> your risks increase it gets harder oh your body isn't the yeah. same exactly and when especially when you go through fertility treatment they test different things as well so you know what your egg reserve is like and all of that kind of stuff mm. so you do get a better picture of actually where your fertility is at and for my age my amh level which is some hormone level is quite low mm. for what it should be so the doctor has said to me actually if you do want to have kids you do need to do it now yeah so that puts an extra pressure on and you. you're like shit oh, okay <laughs> And when they say your biological clock starts ticking, you literally feel that. I turned yeah. 30. I mean, I'm 33 now, but as soon as I turned 30, I was like, oh, my God, we're on countdown now. Don't, I'm 30 next year and I'm like, life, and oh, and my husband always says to me, life goes oh. downhill at 30. He's 35 this year. I'm like, you dickhead. I'm not going to lie, it does. <laughs> <laughs> The weird thing is, when I turned 30, I stopped giving a shit what people thought of me 
which was great mm. in one sense because I, I felt like this kind of freedom but then liberated yeah but then also oh my god my physical health has gone downhill my social life is awful now and it's literally mm. all since I had I turned 30 oh god I know I better really enjoy <laughs> this like next year and a half then you really need to yeah <laughs> I bet I better like live the vida loca. Sorry, Aaron, I'm running off to Spain and becoming a go-go dancer. That's it. Done. But it really is though, and like people just don't like men just do not realise the pressure. And I, when people say to me, like, you've got loads of time, I'm like, I'm then thinking, well, if we have any problems, because I've got endometriosis and stuff, like yeah. if we try yeah. and then I have to be referred and then I have to do this and then I have to do that. And then I have to go on maybe a waiting list because with the NHS as well, like it's never quick. No offence, NHS. (laughs) It's a lot longer. Like if you're not in like a certain BMI group or there's certain aspects, it just delays everything. So I'm like, potentially if I can't have a baby naturally, I could, I could be like 32, 33, 34 before I actually get pregnant and have a baby. Exactly. And that's the thing, you know, men don't have to go through all of this stuff because they they can be fertile for as long as they live. Whereas we only yeah. have that certain amount of time and then menopause hits and then you're done. I really feel like we've got the bad end of this like we have. stick. Like I and I'm not I'm not saying that men don't suffer but I feel like women suffer more we've got all the crap stuff yes periods <laughs> gynecological issues exactly. menopause like ew. I'm not looking forward to that at all no I'm not when I am um, I've had inject like hormone injection well mm. injections that switch off your hormones before and put you into false menopause and it was the worst time of my life. I'd actually take a period over menopause. That is yeah. how serious it is. Yeah. My mum, when she was going through menopause, oh, my God, it was horrible. It's a dark time, isn't it's, it? It's a proper dark time. <laughs> we don't like to talk about it no. in the family. <laughs> That's, my mum was all right, actually. I mean, if she was suffering, she hid it quite well. She got a lot of hot flushes, but... like my mother-in-law as well bless her she suffered with it really really badly and I'm just like I can't wait about 15 years no joke 15 years she still still gets the hot flushes I mean fortunately she doesn't have the mood swings anymore but oh nice (sighs) yeah well when she started getting it I was 16 as well and I had a lot of anger issues so it was a lovely household honestly have you got any siblings yeah I've got a brother and um he just stayed out of it oh see I grew up it was me my mum and my sister who's two years older so you can imagine how our household and my sister was the one with the anger issues sorry Trisha if you're listening but (laughs) she was like the rebel child because my mum and dad got divorced when I was quite young and my sister was really, really naughty. Like my mum, I would see her car like every week at school, like, oh, mum's back. <laughs> Hi, mum. Just toddling off to the head teacher's office, she was, like, on first name basis with her. <laughs> but 
it is crazy like all the things we go through as women and I like for me I I know obviously when I go through my journey to becoming a mum I'm going to have Aaron there so I cannot even imagine what it's like to do it on your own how have you like mentally prepared like when I do get pregnant I'm I'm going to be essentially doing this like the first bulk of my own because you never know you could meet someone do you think like shit how am I going to do this do you know what I just just try not to think about it at the moment um I don't know yeah I think I think everyone just kind of copes because you only know what you know don't you and I suppose you just go into like survival mode don't you and you know I know people that are single mums and they completely rock it. Like, you know, some people are with their partners when they're pregnant and then they split up. So they're still Mm. going through that as well. It's just that I have decided on it from the get-go. Yeah, that's true. But I think you have got to be in the right kind of place for it. I mean, if this was Mm. me two years, I literally did not have the mental stability that I have now and I still have issues now you know I've got a fair few mental health Mm. problems anyway but I'm now at that place in my life where actually it's stable yeah so I'm ready to do it rather than a couple of years ago where I was a complete mess yeah that's the thing though like a lot of people say oh like there's never a right time for a baby and in some aspects I disagree with that because I think there's certain elements of your life that, I mean, sometimes obviously babies are lovely surprises. Yes. That just happen. But I think if you're kind of like planning, for me, like I'm I'm similar, like there's certain things I kind of wanted to get in some order yeah. before bringing, bringing a child into the world because I'm the same, like I suffer with some mental health issues. And I just think like if I knowingly try and bring a child in and I'm not kind of, at that point at my best or at least kind of half halfway there like how am I then gonna try and be a mother because then it's like it is a whole life and it's not like you can return it either you're stuck with this little thing that shits and cries and needs all that love yeah yeah it's a big responsibility isn't it like we was earlier having having a puppy is definitely a stepping stone oh my god it so is Oh, it was, oh, Herbie was horrible when he was a puppy. He was actually horrible. I was crying down the phone to my mum every single day because he oh, just howled hey. all the time. Really? Yeah, he wouldn't let me leave him for even 30 seconds. Oh, that's the thing, though. They get really bad separation anxiety. Yeah. I mean, now he's fine, but I'm like, oh, my God, if I can survive Herbie, I can survive anything. I've made like level 610 of adulting. <laughs> I can do the next 600 levels. But it is though, like, and that's that's kind of why, like, me and Aaron always wanted to get a, a, get a dog. But mm. I think for him more than me, because I feel like I, I'm kind of like, I'm not, well, I'm going to say I'm the more mature one in our relationship. I don't think Aaron will probably ever listen to this because he'd rather watch football <laughs> and scratch his bum, which is fine. And he's probably like gone for a win, hear me like slagging him off, so soz um but for him he's like oh I've got to get up in the middle of the night I've got to like do this and then he's like let's go off here and I'm like what about the dog 
Like, yeah. it's, it's, yeah. you constantly have to think, like, some people say, like, oh, well, it's just having, like, it's just a dog. You don't have to change your life. Yes, you do. Oh, my God, you do. When, when I first so got do, like, Kirby, yeah, my friends, my friends, before I had Herbie, didn't have any kind of responsibilities, so none of them understood mm-hmm. it. I mean, obviously, some of them are parents now, they get it, but they'd be like, oh, yeah, you know, come up here for the weekend. I'm like, I can't because I've got a dog. And they're like, bring him with you. I'm like, but you plan on being out all day getting drunk, so where am I going to leave him? Mm. I can't bring him out with me, can I? It does change it. Yeah. It does. And, like, when we first got OP, he was, like, crying through the night and taking in turns to get up with him. And, like, I think for Aaron that was so unbearable. But, I mean, in a way, it's not good, obviously. Aaron had COVID when we got OP, but he couldn't smell his shit. He couldn't smell his piss. (laughs) So he was on all the piss and he was on all that duty. But I think it's then, it's getting into a routine where you're looking after another life, whether it's a human or a dog. And you do treat a dog like a baby. Like someone said to me the other day, why do you treat your dog like a baby? I'm like... Because he is my fucking baby. He is a baby. My He's child. my first born. Yeah, exactly. My mum even calls Herbie her grandpa. But... Yes, my mum does that. She goes, where's my grandpuppy? <laughs> they are grandchildren and they are children. I was quite angry with Aaron, though, because he didn't get me a Mother's Day card from OP. My, f- my first... Um... Year of Herbie, my mum bought me a Mother's Day card for from Herbie. So thanks. I was really upset with Aaron. I was like, "Where's my Mother's Day card?" He was like, "Oh yeah," and I thought, "Well, I mean, at least he got his mum a Mother's Day card. I'm happy with well, that." Yeah. But still, could have bought you some flowers. I know it's bad. It's bad, isn't it? But in terms of obviously becoming a mum, what is the things you're most looking forward to, and what's the things you're not looking forward to? Oh. <sighs> Obviously, I would not look forward to all the shit. (laughs) I think that goes without saying. I think, do you know what? I mean, because I I spend so much time alone, I can't, Mm. the thing that I can't wait to do is create a mini me. Yeah. I mean. That's amazing. Do you want a boy or a girl? Do you know what? Kind of, I, I would always sway towards a girl, but I really don't care. I'm mm. happy with either, to be honest. Yeah. And you know what? I've got so, I grow up with so many, um, all of my friends are gay that I kind of hope if I have a boy, it's a little gay boy. Oh. <laughs> my little camp, my little camp son. Oh. Have you got names picked out already? Oh, yeah, absolutely. They they've been set in stone for ages. No, isn't it funny how like I love like thinking about baby names, and then I hear like another name, I'm like, oh, that's nice as well. Yeah, do you know what I've got like on my notes on my um phone? I just add names that I think are nice. Yeah, so do I. I'm like, oh yeah, remember that one for a later date. I mean, I'm hoping I won't have that many children because no. I don't think my my vagina or my Absolutely sanity not. could handle it. But 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 also, you know, like people say you might have a name picked out and then when it comes to the birth, they don't look anything like that name. 
so I just like to have my backups in case yeah that's true like a baby pops out and you're like mm, you look like a James <laughs> you look like a Pedro. Kevin <laughs> Diego <laughs> it's crazy isn't yeah. it but you were telling me about the things that you're most looking forward to and the things you're not so you said shit shit obviously you know the nights because my mum my always brings this up um one of my medications is an antipsychotic which has a lot of sedative mm. in it so I yeah. pass out in the night and my mum was like well how are you going to handle a baby if you pass out but fortunately you know I can kind of you know if let's say if Herbie wakes up in the middle of the night I sense it mm. I'll do it but I'm like the thought of that that would kill that that is the one thing that I do dread because if I don't get my sleep I am mm. the devil <laughs> you're gonna be like a demonic man yeah possessed. <laughs> so that is probably the biggest thing that I do dread and you know obviously when you have a kid you you change your life forever haven't you I'm not yeah. going to be able to go on the holidays that I used to go on and things like that. But then at the mm. same time, I'm like, who cares? It's kind of like, although they're great memories and fun at the time, it's not going to feel that kind of, essentially, I I see it as like a little hole in your heart yeah. you need to you need to fill. And that void only gets filled with a child if that's yeah. what you want, like. It is a lifestyle change. Like I sometimes think, like because we're now trying for a baby, and I'm like, it's gonna be so different. Like those nights, me and Aaron are just slobbing out on our own, yes. and we can just drink wine and sit up and eat burgers at like midnight and just watch shit on the telly and be really loud. That will all yeah. change, and like every every thought process, you're then adding a, another person yeah. in and factoring in and trying to work all these things out and it is like it is a massive responsibility being responsible for another human life like being responsible for a dog is like crazy every every like week me and Aaron are like we've kept him alive for another week go us and do you know what the weird things that I think about as well and I'm like oh my god how how am I going to wake up in the morning obviously having to take the dog out I'm going to have to spend an extra God knows how long trying to get a baby sorted to make sure that I can walk it with a baby because obviously I can't leave it at home by itself. So it is these weird things that you do suddenly think of and you think, oh, Christ, yeah, that's going to affect that. You're like, oh, yeah. But then at the end of the day, things always work themselves out, don't they? So, you know. And it completely outweighs it as well, doesn't it? absolutely but other than that I can't really think of things that I'm not looking forward to but I think looking forward to just having yeah having and you know what the good thing about being a solo mum is that you literally make all the choices yeah you've got no one to undermine you exactly you've got no dickhead getting brave (laughs) but it's true you know whereas obviously if you're in a couple you've got to agree on baby names you've got to agree on how you're going to bring them up you're going to have to agree yeah. on those things whereas this I'm like no it's me it's my decision and that's it yeah that's very true what would you what's the advice that you would give to 
any women out there thinking about starting a solo mum journey or ones who are already on a journey what's kind of the really good like little tidbits of advice you could give the main thing I would say is don't obsess over it it's Mm -hmm. so easy obviously you know I like to do my research I like to make sure that I know as much about something as possible but actually sometimes you can research too much yeah and the internet can be a dark place as well oh yeah obviously you know you google any symptoms and you've got cancer off google and it's a bit you're dying yeah but you know things like when you have your treatment when you're in that two-week way of being able to test mm-hmm. I remember starting out being like I'm not going to test early but you get obsessed Mm. and every day that goes I bet I would be could it be could it be the day could it be the day so anything that I would say to someone is literally distract yourself because testing early always ends up in misery yeah I can imagine I would I'd definitely be that person who would obsess yeah to see it now I would be it's so easy though because you see other people doing it and getting these early positive tests that you think won't do any harm but if you're negative, mm. it's negative, obviously. And then you think to yourself, well, actually, if it's negative, I'd rather um, know earlier so I can get on with it. But you don't because you still test every single day until you come on your period. Yeah. Because you're like, actually, maybe it happened today or maybe it happened today. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like you said, it is definitely an emotional roller coaster. I can imagine. Yeah. Like a pure head fart. Yeah. That's the only way to describe it. But yeah, the other main thing I would say is, you know, I think before anyone starts this journey, you've really got to make sure that your finances are in place. Like, I would, Yeah, because it sounds really expensive. Yeah, and there's some people that I've spoken to that have, they've spent like 20 grand just on the treatment alone. And when you first see that, you think, God, how could anyone spend that much money on it? But then I guess when you have that in your mind that you want a baby, mm. you will spend whatever you can. Yeah, it's tunnel vision then, isn't it? Absolutely. Crazy, isn't it? <laughs> Crazy. Well, I'm keeping everything crossed that yes. soon I'm gonna I'm gonna hear some good news that you're gonna have a little baby in the cave I like to call it a baby cave fingers crossed keep all your fingers crossed for me yeah everyone keep your fingers crossed for Jamie but thank you so much for joining me it's been a pleasure you've been a lovely guest and what I always like to say at the end of every episode and I probably sound like a broken record now if anyone's got any questions or queries for myself or for Jamie um just let us know all of Jamie's details will be linked to the episode I also just want to say if anyone's is unhappy or feels like what we've said anything that they're unhappy with our opinions remember they are opinions these are obviously things that Jamie's going on on her journey things that I've spoken about with my experience so not here to offend anyone we're just here to chit chat and just give some information out about different things but thank you again Jamie I've had a lovely time and I have too Always nice to hear.